Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie. This is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show, a live Kenny and Rennie at TransCanada Brewing Company with this absolutely phenomenal audience. Uh, I don't know why you're not here. If you're watching this at home right now, I don't know why you're not here. Uh, absolutely phenomenal group here. Great pizza, great drinks, just a great time again. Uh, we consider ourselves so unbelievably lucky to spend the time that we do with the people who come. Well, I do anyways. Ken, like I was just saying to the crowd, likes to spend his time in his ivory tower. I am a man of the people. I get out. I talk with the people. You hear them. You hear them. They know what's up. They know what you can't boo. They can boo. You're not allowed to boo. Wait to, Wait for your turn to get into the show. Okay, I, I, I'll accept the booing on Kenny's behalf. I will not accept Kenny booing. That's what I will not do. Anyways, looks like things are going well. Uh, we're hoping it's going to stay that way. The room is being served. The people at home are being served. Uh, we're going to see if Ken's going to come in and blow it all up like he did last time. Because Ken, I thought I was the guy who liked throwing the grenades into the conversation. Ken just likes to throw the grenades and blow everything up entirely. He's a, he's the nuclear option over here. But uh, we should get to talking about the show. Uh, Ken uh, was just mentioning some great quotes from Rick Bonus, who ripped his team after this game. And if you have been following along with the conversation we've been having, I've been one of the guys who's been a little bit surprised we haven't over the five-game losing streak. and. Some of the stuff that we've seen over the last little while, I've been surprised that the true serum Rick Bonus has has been absent. He hasn't come in. He hasn't kind of really gone out his team. Now I see what it took for him was Rick Bonus was okay as long as the Jets were playing the Rick Bonus system. Maybe the effort's not there every night. Maybe the puck doesn't quite go in the net. Maybe they're not going hard enough to the net. Maybe they're overpassing it. All these were things that Rick Bonus could abide, what he could not abide, apparently, based on what we're hearing from him tonight. What he could not abide was the Jets abandoning their system, their five-on-five play. This is clearly the best five-on-five team in the league. That's not an opinion. Facts back that up. To all of you who are questioning my devotion to analytics out there earlier on tonight, that's what the analytics tell us, folks. I know what's going on here. I pay attention. Anyways, the Winnipeg Jets uh, tonight did not look like that team that, you know, it's hard to score more than two or three goals against. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a cop-out. I think you got to give Credit where it's due to the, uh, excuse me, the Calgary Flames here on this night. The Calgary Flames, I thought, came out and played a spirited game. I think you have to take a look at the Calgary Flames and take a look at their defense and know that the Calgary Flames are a team that, yes, they're not in the playoffs right now. They're not going to make the playoffs. But the Calgary Flames have that kind of roster that when they put it all together, they've got the potential to be a sixth place, fifth place type team. What I saw tonight was the Winnipeg Jets playing a fifth place, sixth place type team. We just all look at it and think, well, the Calgary Flames are out and they've given up and they're not going to make it and they're going to sell everybody off. All that is true, but this is one of those teams that... This isn't a trap game in that you forget to bring the effort against a team that's not very good, and then you remember, oh, they're an NHL team. They actually can do this pretty well. This is one of those games where when the Calgary Flames are on, they can be a fairly formidable team. They've got a fairly formidable lineup, but they have just are off far more often than they are on. I don't fully subscribe to the idea that the Winnipeg Jets just did not show up tonight. And I don't like going down that road because I don't like insulting other teams. Give the Calgary Flames their due. They played a good game here. They could have quit after it went to 3-1. Instead, they came back and they pushed. I think they caught the Jets expecting that they weren't going to push. I think the Jets came from that game against the Vancouver Canucks, where I think the Vancouver Canucks stopped pushing after they went down. I think the Jets were thinking, we just knocked off the best team in the league and we broke them. Looks like we broke this team, except they didn't break the Calgary. Flames, they kept coming back. It's my way of saying the Calgary Flames deserve their due for the game that they brought here tonight. I don't think you can entirely excuse that, but I would also say that this is probably the loosest five-on-five -five defensive structure we've seen from the Jets in quite some time, maybe close to half a season. It's definitely the idea that, and I've said this before, even when the Jets were losing, the reason I said the Jets aren't going to do what they did last year where they're going to completely fall apart, they're going to fall out of the playoffs, I didn't see that happening because what I saw was even though the Jets weren't winning games and they weren't scoring, they were a team that was staying 
committed to Rick Bonus's system, which I have said time and time again, I think is their real superpower. Tonight is probably the furthest they've strayed from that. Uh, Reasons to be happy. Uh, I mean, Sean Monahan, natural hat trick. That's great. So the, the the power play getting back on track. I think we talked about this in the last show that based on the Jets scoring a goal last game, where it was one of those power play games as Brad Lauer drew it up, makes you kind of feel good about what your coach is doing, about the system. Let's start diving into that a little bit more. And we saw a couple more goals that would be exactly how the coach drew it up. So there's positives to take away from this game. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, they can't see the pot. Hey, we, I had a conversation with one of the folks here tonight who readily admitted they're one of the people who they come for the good times, they come for the wins, they can't bear to be here for the losses. I say to all you folks out there, and this is, it's funny, I need to start saying this more often when they win because I'm talking to the people who aren't there when they lose. They, they didn't show up to listen to me, tell them you should show up when they lose. Anyway, uh, I, I think there's reasons to, to take a look at this and think, Tonight is a sign that the Jets are getting better going forward based on where they've been, that five-game losing streak, that little bit of a dip that they've seen. I know they lost. There's reasons to be happy. There's reasons to believe good things will be carried forward from this game. I know it hurts for a lot of you that they didn't win here on this night. To me, this is just one of those signs. It's like, hey, if you're investing in the stock market, sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, as long as it's genuinely trending upwards. I think there's reasons to believe there's a continuation of trending upward tonight based on what we saw tonight, even though they had an off night five on five and the Rick bonus system. That's my take on the whole thing. Time to bring in the man with the best music in the business to get his take. Everybody, here comes Kenny. You should know better. You should know better. For all you folks at home, I just spent the last 30 seconds trying to convince everyone here to boo this man, and they would not do it. They gave him his due because of the great analysis we always get from him, and that's going to continue here on this night, no doubt. Kenny, uh, one of those games that the, the head coach wanted to rip his team, would you join him in ripping this team? I would, actually. Uh, Rick Bonus saying... Uh, that's as soft a five-on-five game as we played all year. That's not us at all. So that didn't even look like the Winnipeg Jets out there. But you know what? The best news for the Jets, they get to play against the Minnesota Wild tomorrow. And I don't think they'll have any difficulty getting up for that game, Sean. Uh, I didn't like the structure. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They were, you know, Rick Bonus made it very clear to Ryan Leslie after the game that without the power play, the Jets probably would have never been in front. But uh, overall... I'm with you. I think the power play is a is another important sign, a step forward. That's two games in a row with two goals scored. You know, we know they hadn't done it since December 22nd before that. That's it? That's your buffet for the night? Well, you were leaning in. I thought you wanted me to stop. Well, Ishaboy Bruce is saying, are you sitting beside each other? I was going to do something I thought was really humorous, where I was going to reach over and I was going to like put the bunny ears on your head. I, I didn't think you'd take that as a cue. Uh, do I need to wind you up or can you, can you start yourself up again? <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't pretty for the Jets. I mean, Sean Monaghan, uh, Rick Bonus again, said it outside of Sean Monaghan and Connor Hellebuck, uh, you know, there were a lot of passengers and you can't win with passengers in the NHL uh, these days. Uh, I agree with what you said. I think, you know, we were talking on Saturday, the Jets played one of their crispest games of the year. Yes, there were still, uh, you know, quite a few shots on goal allowed, but the high danger variety, they weren't nearly as dangerous against today. The Flames created a ton of chances. Uh, odd man rushes, just a bunch of loose play by the Jets. And 
I agree with you. I mean, I don't even look like they weren't ready. And yes, you have to give the Flames credit. They got their ass kicked two games in a row by the San Jose Sharks and the Detroit Red Wings on home ice. They got shut out by the Red Wings. So you knew that they had more urgency in their game, knowing what's at stake for them. They're only a couple points out of the playoffs. Uh, but the Jets didn't have the same level of urgency. And, you know, may they go up 3-1. Maybe they think it's going to be point night. And instead, they get away from their structure. And, you know, that's a concern. But I would say that they're a team that's, you know, earned the benefit of the doubt. I mean, they're, they've done a great job in terms of their structure. And I expect they will be able to return to that. But at the same time, today, they didn't generate nearly enough 5-on-5. Five five, and that, that would be the concerning thing for me. Um, Ken, the idea of like hanging up the mission accomplished sign, I think there's a lot of people here tonight who I had conversations with who talked about that Canucks game. And I know people were really pumped about that Canucks game. Uh, first place team in the league. So I think there was a lot of people who felt there was redemption in that. I, I guess I wasn't as... Uh, uh, as pumped up about that game because, like I've been saying on this podcast for a long time, I fully expected the Jets to beat the Vancouver Canucks. I've said it time and time again, the structure that they have, the way the two teams play. I don't think the Vancouver Canucks are a better team than the Winnipeg Jets. I think the teams that the Jets have to look out for are the Dallas Stars, the Vegas Golden Knights, the Edmonton Oilers, teams like that. And I'll be honest with you, even as they look like they're bouncing back, a team like the LA Kings. Um, but I, I wonder... It, do you think there's any credence to the idea that the Winnipeg Jets won that game and there was a little bit of an exhale, but even maybe more to kind of pile exhales onto exhales, the idea that this team for so long has wanted A, Sean Monaghan to break out for this team, and then B, to get the power play going again, and then you get this Sean Monaghan with the hat trick. The power plays back, and it's looking absolutely phenomenal. And I just wonder if it's like exhale after exhale after exhale, and maybe the Winnipeg Jets just got to a place where they're like, we don't have any worries anymore. Look out for us now because we're great at five on five. We're great at limiting goals. Our big problem was the new guy who showed up wasn't scoring, and we were playing a little bit bad for a while, but now we're back because we beat the best team in the league. And more than anything, the number one villain for so many of the people out there, their inability to score on the power play, do you kind of feel like maybe the Winnipeg Jets halfway through this game were like, hey, I, I like it like this. We always talk about our golf games. You're a good golfer. I'm a terrible golfer. We both know that. And I went out one year and I had a guy try and fix my slice. And I went and I was at the golf dome and I was hitting a bunch of straight balls. And I was like, that's it. I'm a good golfer now. This is great. And then I went back out on the golf course and I absolutely had one of the worst rounds I've had in how long. And it's like, Wait, maybe I was a little slightly bit overconfident there. Did the Winnipeg Jets go to the Golf Dome and hit 300 straight balls and then go out and have three good holes at the beginning of the 18 and then forget how to play the back half? Yeah, I don't think so, but uh, I like the analogy. That was uh, a lot of work for me <laughs> for you to swat that away, Ken. Sorry, I, I do think there is some credence to your theory. Oh, that, that would have been a better way to oh, start. I should have led with that? Let, let's oh. rewind it. Let, do you want me to go through the whole thing again? No, I'm kidding. No, you're Keep good. Going. You're good. You're, Keep you're, going. you're very sensitive today. <laughs> I care. No, I, I care. I can tell. I can tell. No, I, I do think there was a little bit of an emotional letdown. I mean, the Jets had gone through a little bit of a rough patch, no doubt about that. They raised their level and play another, you know, Rick Bonus said it was probably one of their best games since December against the Boston Bruins, Sean. So when you raise your game to that level, you feel better about yourself. And, you know, maybe, I don't think they took the flames for granted. I, I'm with you. You don't want to discredit what the opposition did, but they just weren't as sharp today. And, you know, yes, they got the power play going. That's a good sign. Yes, Sean Monaghan uh, got himself going offensively. And, you know, suddenly you go from no points in four games to four goals in six games, right? So, um, you know, that's an important step forward for him in terms of his overall game. And, you know, you feel, you, you love what Monaghan said the other night, Sean. No, I'm not worried that I wasn't scoring. I'm going to get my chances. And then next thing you know, you get yourself a natural hat trick, fastest in franchise history, 517. Uh, thanks to Gregory for that statistic. Greg Liverpool well, is well done, auditioning, well auditioning as the Kenny and Rennie stats guy. That's impressive, good impressive. As no, I you, learned you. earlier on tonight, I'm lacking in the stats department by some of the people. So it's a good thing Greg's filling, filling the void here. Anyways, keep going. No, so like, I would say that, you know, what, 
when a guy like Monahan has a period like that, and you know, as Josh Morrissey pointed out, it was it was just the third time Monahan has played against Calgary. I mean, a team he started, you know, sixth overall pick. I mean, he started there as an 18 year old, spent a lot of years there. Guy gets a natural hat trick in the first period, feeling great about life. I I don't think that guys like Mark Shifley and you know the Adam Lowry line say, "Hey, uh, Sean's got us covered today. Let's just take the night off." I I don't think that was the mentality, but. Uh, they just were too loose, and, and that's something that we're just not used to seeing uh, from the Winnipeg Jets. Yes, those two games coming out of the break, they were loose. There was some run and gun against the Leafs in that two-game series. But, you know, the one thing, even when the Jets were struggling to score goals, you know they know how to take care of their own end. We know that their puck management is good, but today those things weren't happening for them. And then, you know, a couple bad bounces, the the pass across hits the back of Sean Monahan's skate, lands on Rasmus Anderson's stick, and next thing you know, it's a backdoor snipe. Uh, I mean, you don't see that from the Jets that often because a there aren't that many odd man rushes, and b their their sort out abilities and finding the trailers is very solid. But uh, they just weren't rolling, and you know, Cole Perfetti had a really good scoring chance. I think it was the first period, uh, really good, or second period maybe. Second really period, shoulder, yeah, sh- second, yeah, shoulder save by Markstrom. Um, but outside of that, now it's one assist in 13 games. And, you know, Rick Bonus was very pointed in his pregame comments with uh, with Mike McIntyre saying, you know, those guys got to earn their ice time. And it was another quiet night in terms of ice time for here's Nikolai Ehlers, 15-16, and Cole Perfetti, 14-56. So better than the other night, but still not great overall. I mean, that second line's got to get going. Yes, they did get one goal at 5-on-5, five five, but... They need to. They need to get rolling. As a trio. When Kenny gets talking like this at the buffet, sometimes it's it's you forget what he had at the beginning of the meal, right? Like, did he have did he have the chicken balls? Did he have a little bit of the rice or something? But he said something that I thought was extremely interesting there, where he talked about Sean Monahan getting those three goals, and he said, you know, I don't think Mark Shifley and Adam Lowry are saying Sean's got this one tonight. We can take a step back. You don't know how many times I've heard that on this podcast. Coming from this guy. Let me tell you that much. Um, second line. Let's dig into that a little bit more uh, because this is just the problem. The Monaghan problem looks like it gets not entirely fixed tonight, but there's reason to believe we're going in the right direction. Power play, we're starting to have reason to believe. The second line is that that injury that just will not scab over. It just will not heal up. Um Nick Ehlers goes up to that first line. I know it was a conversation on our podcast. I know I talked with a lot of you in messages. I bumped into a lot of people in the streets. And there was this real feeling that when the Jets really could not score, the turning point was Nikolai Ehlers getting popped up onto that top line against the Philadelphia Flyers. They score late, continue into the next game. He sets Mark Shifley up on that great two-on-one against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think a lot of people, hey, I think we actually had a conversation about it in the show. Someone texted me and so I actually think it was Nick Lim talked about we did a story on Nick Ehlers and him being like hey there's all these problems maybe the solution was there the whole time maybe Nick Ehlers is that solution well Nick Ehlers goes up kind of solves the problem on the first line gets them with their confidence gets their feet underneath them gets hauled off and this is a conversation we didn't have last time but what is it with Nick Ehlers who like when things go wrong with him, he's instantly pulled off that line and we see Kyle Connor have yeah. an effort like he did on that goal in the last game. And that never results in demotion there. But if we get into the idea of Nick Ehlers now getting bumped down to that second line, I'm, I, I, I'm a big believer that Nick Ehlers is the kind of guy who can solve a lot of problems, but he's had plenty of opportunity to try and solve that second line scoring issue problem. Now, Sean Monaghan, a lot of his success tonight comes on the power play, uh, but they're, I guess my question at this stage, Ken, we've been talking about it. I know how you feel about this, but I'm going to ask it in a different way. <laughs> if, if what is the problem with the second line that they just cannot get going into a place where they are a legitimate, the kind of second line you want to see on a team that you are saying is a potential Stanley Cup winner? Yeah, the problem for the second line is that none they've never had all three players going at one time it didn't matter who was on that line and and that's what we're seeing right now today Monahan's rolling and Nikolai Ehlers has one shot on goal and one shot attempt and I'm not blaming Nikolai Ehlers but in the games where he was on fire 
then Cole Perfetti wasn't going, or you know, Vladislav Nemestikov wasn't going. Well, and, and, and to, to the point you're trying Rodan to make, wasn't going. To the point you're trying to make to, to flex my analytics knowledge. Um, uh, Nikolai Ehlers is one of the highest players in the NHL at shots per 60. He's more likely to shoot than almost anyone in the NHL. Sure. So on a night where he only has one shot on goal, that one attempt. People, one attempt that should raise red flags for people in him not playing the kind of game that he likes to play the kind of game we expect him to play continue right and no and your point being that you know if Nikolai Ehlers had the back check that Kyle Connor had he probably might not have got back off the bench but in this case Rick Bonus showed faith in him and he responded with two assists now today Ehlers only has one assist or sorry, one shot on net. He's had one assist in his last eight games, which this is not Nikolai Ehlers' production. And I understand the chicken and the egg theory here, but Nikolai Ehlers is a play driver. And I think that the people need to adapt to him on the second line, and he needs to be the driver. Today, obviously, that wasn't the case. Uh, the one thing for Cole Perfetti, I know there was a uh, there was a turnover, but he still had four shots on net. So that's better than what he's had lately. Uh, but still, the one assist in 12 games is not good enough production if you are playing in the top six. So do I have a solution for the second line? Not right now, but I know that both of those two guys can play better. Both Ehlers and Perfetti have another level they can reach. Sean Monahan, I feel it has been good for the majority of his time here. Now he's popping offensively. And we'll have to see what happens. But uh, right now, right now, it's not going the way they want it. It's not going the way they want it to. Um, you don't have a solution for the second line. I love this suggestion by Brady, uh, NHL Chunky, who says, personally, I think Kyle Connor could get the second line going. I guess we could move Ehlers up to accommodate that move. I legitimately think this is great commentary. I'm not just sucking up to him because he's in the building here right now. Um, Man, I'm not offering anything. Brady should be just coming up to the microphone. You should have whispered that into my ear before I came up here, Brady. Don't work your way out of a job, Ken. Come on. Here we go. Anyways, I, I want to dig into this a little bit because I'm a real big believer, and I think it's something that the Jets, I think the Jets for a long time, like we're talking 2016 and on, I think the Jets have done a really bad job with. I think you take their star players, and their star players always feel like they need to be with the best possible players they can be with. It's like, I've said this before, it's like the Winnipeg Jets take and they rank their forwards 1 through 12, and then they take their best players their second best player, their third best player, that's line one. Then your third, sorry, your fourth, fifth, and sixth best player, and that's your next line. I, I love the idea of, and I, I'm not suggesting any of these players are Sidney Crosby, but I've always loved the idea of the success that the, the Pittsburgh Penguins have had over the years because of the belief that you're going to take Sidney Crosby and you're going to take this guy and you're going to find that this guy will be the best version of himself that he can possibly be because that's what, uh, that's what he brings out in you. That's what Sidney Crosby is able to do with players. And I guess the one thing I like, I like this idea as a coach. If I'm a coach and I take a look and I'm like, we haven't tried this yet. The second line can't get going. What we have on our team right now is one of the best scorers in the NHL. And I love the idea of a coach having the confidence and showing the confidence in a player or going up to a player like Kyle Connor and saying, listen, we're going to move you to the second line. You're going to think that this is a demotion because one is above two. And that's, you know, simple math. This is how it goes. But I love the idea of a coach going to a player and saying, listen, it sounds like a demotion, but the reason I'm putting you there is because I have faith that you can score anywhere in this lineup. And I also have faith that before this, Sean Monaghan hadn't really got going. And I want to give Sean Monaghan a good feeling. I want him to start feeling what it's like to score in a Jets jersey. I want him to know how the crowd responds when they set up a goal or get a goal or something like that. And I believe you, Kyle, are the guy who's going to get the most out of him. I, I, I've never understood that. And I've never understood this kind of feeling of them being loath to move Kyle Connor off the second line to see if something else worked somewhere. Because I think it's the highest of compliments to say, we're going to put you in a spot and you're going to take something that doesn't work, hasn't worked all year, and we're going to make it work because you're so good that it's going to work. I love this idea by Brady. Uh, if not for that, I'm not sure if he was thinking the same thing along the lines of what that looks like when it comes to how a coach, but I love the psychology of the game. I love the intricate mindset of the game. And I love the idea of Kyle Connor over the last couple of games when he can't score, instead of saying, we need to keep you with Mark because you're not going and we'd really love to get you going. And instead say, 
I'm not worried about you, Kyle. In fact, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you be the guy that gets everybody going because I have that much faith in you and I think you're that good. Well, and we know that Rick Bonus did it last year with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor, right? I mean, when, when they were part of the time when they were rolling, those guys were playing together. So, um, you know, he has done it before. Uh, Kyle, you know, had two assists tonight. I think both came on the power play. He, he hasn't looked like himself. So, you know, maybe playing with a guy like Sean Monan could help him in that regard too. But we've listened to Rick Bonus. We've listened to, you know, throughout that time when Nikolai Ehlers was with him. It was even at the Iceplex last week. People were asking about Nikolai Ehlers, and he always went back to Mark Shifley and Mark Shifley and Kyle. Yeah. Right? And that, and that's, you know, we talked about chemistry, and, you know, they feel that there's built-in chemistry there. So I, we know that he's been reluctant this year, and part of it is that they didn't have a ton of time together because Kyle missed those 16 games. But, yeah, I mean, it's something worth considering. But the problem there, too, Sean, is that it's easier to consider when Nikolai Ehlers is at the top of his game, and right now he's got one assist in eight games. So now both of those guys are struggling. So they need them both to be rolling at the same time in order for maybe both of those things to work, for Ehlers to pop on the first and Connor to pop on the second with Monaghan, who's, you know, an exceptional passer, and so is, so is Perfetti. The one thing I would say is almost a wasted opportunity is that with the Jets playing the way that they've played five on five and their ability to shut teams down defensively, it's such a padding. This team hasn't needed to score to be successful. So while you are trying to find the offense that works, why not be as creative or as active in trying different things as you can be? Because you've got away with the majority of this season not being a very high-scoring team and yet still winning because your defense is so good. I go back to the idea of, and this is that's the that's the uh, microcosm of it. The macrocosm of it is this conversation that we've had in the past that. They've been playing together almost 10 years. And Nick Ehlers earlier on this year when he was playing with Kyle, not Kyle Connor, when Kyle Connor was out, he was playing with Mark Shifley. We really didn't have a good book on how these two would play together. How do these two players play in the top six of the Winnipeg Jets for 10 years and we don't understand if they have good chemistry with each other? How have we not gone down that road? And I guess to me, it's a if there's... And, and I, I'm, I, I am not going to be that guy. That the one thing I always want to make people remember time and time again, my opinion is that of a guy who asks a lot of questions, has these conversations. I think, you know, my opinions are colored by the people that we talk to, but I'm not an NHL coach who's been doing this since 1988. It's first year, 1988 for Rick Bonus with the Jets. I think it was 19, not as an assistant coach, I think as a head coach. I haven't been doing this this long. But so whenever I say something I think is critical of a coach. I, I, I know it sounds a little bit ridiculous to be a guy sitting where I am right now beside a guy like this and making those kind of comments towards it. But it's easy for us because there's no ramifications for us. Exactly. Exactly. But, but I do think that the ramifications were limited this year because the Jets are so good at defending and not allowing goals that there was time to go to all those different places and not leave a stone unturned as to how this player plays with this player. So again, going back to Brady's thing and to close out uh, Brady's comment about that, um, I like the idea of giving the captain's chair on a line to Kyle Connor and saying, no, you're not the guy beside Pierre-Luc Dubois. You're not the guy beside Mark Shifley. You're not the guy beside Blake Wheeler like he was for a long time and, and say, you're the guy. And we're going to see how this line goes based on you being the guy to lead the way. I think he would flourish in that situation. Um, it's just something that we should take a look into, I think, at some point. Before we do move on, I wanted to say both of us doing a very terrible job of representing Frank and the boys. And we both passed right by his place, Vittorio Rossi on Corden Avenue on our way down here, and somehow ended up looking like this. Don't make that mistake. Don't pass Vittorio Rossi on Corden Avenue. Stop and see Frankie and the boys. Tell them Kenny and Renty. Renny sent you. I didn't even get my own name right there, folks. Holy smoke. Tell them Kenny and Renny sent you, and they'll do you up right, no doubt. Uh, also, um, do you have a pristine roofing wake-up call on the night? Well, maybe for you not being able to say your own name right. That's a pretty solid one. 
That's a pretty solid one. So Renty says the wake-up call goes to Renny for not being able to say his name, right? And of course, that means it's time to give North End Rick the wake-up call, the pristine roofing wake-up call for any of your roofing, siding, exterior needs. He's the guy who will come out, pop the ladder out of the truck, take a look, tell you everything you need to go through, or you can give pristine roofing a call at 1204-237-7663. To the power play. We've been so dour this whole time. Let's get into the power plane, something that's really working. What did you see tonight, Ken? Is it a one-off? Is it fluky? Or did you see something from this Jets power play that has you believing? Well, now it's a two-off, so we can't even call it a one-off. Uh, four goals is uh, more than – I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's got to be four goals is more than they had in probably longer than a month. Oh, boy. Yeah. During that stretch, it for was sure. two, for, 2 for 38 or whatever it was, and it was definitely 0 for 23 or 0 for 22 it was. So um, movement is better. Uh, people feel – again, it doesn't matter if it's a lucky goal that Gabriel Velarde <laughs> flicks in off Thatcher Demko or whatever else – um, you get one and you whip it around. I mean, today the first goal by Monaghan is living in the blue paint, but it's all set up by a one-timer for Kyle Connor. When's the last time you saw him get a look like that on the power play, right? I mean, yeah, it's been a long time. And on the next one, you know, Monaghan doing a good job of you know getting to the net. So, uh, no progress, but uh, you know, always room for improvement with the power play. The Jets in a in a situation where I think it was still a one goal game. They had a power play, and that was the one that didn't really go well for them. But I mean, that's the other thing too. You, you know, once you know they don't score forever, you never expect them to score, and then all of a sudden they score two in a game or two in two games, uh, and you think they're going to score every time, and they don't score when there's an opportunity to do so. But I do think that there are some strides being taken for sure. I think this is one of those times, and I had this conversation plenty of times. People heard me talking about it in the room, but I like to give us a shutout when it feels like we got something right. I think the conversation that we had after the last game on this podcast was that there's reason to believe that the Winnipeg Jets power play was turning around. And I, I say it as simple as this. Last game, they, they basically score a power play goal as it was set up to be scored, right? You've got uh, Brad Lauer drawing it up on the board. You're going to take the puck here to Mark Shifley. You're going to move it down over here, and it's going to go passed up uh, from Gabe Velarde to Sean Monahan, and Sean Monahan gets that wide-open shot, and all of a sudden, boom, it's in the back of the net, right? Honestly, if you've played any kind of sport before, I don't care if it's basketball, I don't care if it's baseball, if your head coach in baseball asks you to bunt the ball right here and you execute it and everything that he says happen is going to happen. If it's basketball and you're going to pick and roll and this guy's going to pop over here and you're going to kick the ball out to him and you get that free shot and it goes in. Or if it's hockey and you're drawing up these set plays like this and that was a set play, no doubt, when you pull it off there is no feeling in sports like trying to set out to do something very specific that has been set up x's and o's and it works that feeling just creates so much faith and i thought in that last game when they pulled that off that's going to set up that faith right what it also does is it gives game tape for other teams to dive into. So you want to know why the Kyle Connor shot on net that you're talking about. Yeah, we haven't seen that for so long. You want to know why that happens. It happens because Sean Monaghan is going and having the game he has, but also the Calgary Flames coaches are digging into the Winnipeg Jets tape, game tape from the last game, and they see that play. Mark Shifley down to Gabe Bellardi, up to Sean Monaghan, boom, in the back of the net. So what are they trying to defend against in that moment? As soon as it goes to Gabe Velarde, everyone is overloading and trying to make sure Sean Monaghan does not get that puck. And what that does is it opens up the passing lane that Gabe Velarde or Gabe Vivaldi, as uh, someone in the audience here uh, loves to lean into. Gabe Velarde turns and makes the pass in a different passing lane to Kyle Connery. Now, it ends up being Sean Monaghan who scores, but he scores because of the great shot that Kyle Connor gets at. This is drawn up. Every time you pass the puck to a player, he's given a couple of options. Gabe Velarde's options in that situation are to put it back to Mark Shifley. If it's open to get it to, uh, to Sean Monaghan in that bumper spot there, but also to go over to uh, Kyle Connor in that situation if it's open. 
you want to create a power play where when one team tries to defend against something, it opens something else up. That's what opened up in that situation. The Calgary Flames, having watched the Jets' success in their game, their power play success against the Vancouver Canucks, are trying to keep the puck from going to Sean Monahan. That opens up Kyle Connor, and it happens there. Again, this is a goal that is exactly as the coach drew up. I know a lot of folks out there, maybe some of them in this room, have been calling for Brad Lauer's head. Ken, very astutely, I have thought, over the last little while, has been saying, Brad Lauer's not the guy who's taking the shot. Brad Lauer's not the guy who's out there passing the puck. Brad Lauer is the guy who's saying to do this, but execution has to come at some point. I think what we're seeing from the Winnipeg Jets in the last couple of games, and I think we really saw it here tonight, is a belief in the system. It's easier to execute if you believe that you do the thing that Brad Lauer says you should do there is going to result in a goal. You're going to be more committed to executing. What we're seeing right now, I think that last game, the Sean Monaghan goal against the Vancouver Canucks opened up the belief for the Winnipeg Jets that maybe Brad Lauer is onto something here. And now they're focusing and they're executing. And in that moment, Gabe Velarde says, Sean Monaghan's not open. But you know who is? Because this is what Brad Lauer told us will happen if they cheat over there. We should be able to find Kyle Connor. That's why it's in the back of the net. I think that this is, again, reason to believe that this isn't just a one-off. It's not a two-off. Right now, the Winnipeg Jets are under. Now, by saying this, I'm not saying the Jets are going to score a power play goal next game. They're going to score a power play goal the game after that. But I do think right now the Winnipeg Jets power play is now in a mindset to succeed in a way that I don't think it's been for a very long time yet. Yeah, just more confidence. And, you know, Sean Monahan even said it himself. You just get more comfortable making reads. Now you're feeling good about things, getting more pucks to the net. When you get a couple on the power play and you get some confidence, that goes a long way. And, I mean, nobody feels more than that than Sean Monahan, who was getting those looks. And, you know, he's very good in the bumper. I mean, the thing about Monahan when he was hot with the Canadians coming over in the trade, a lot of those points were on the power play. You know, it took him a while to get going, but... Today is another great example of him rolling, and the other night is another great example. So, you know, and when the, when the new guy feels super comfortable, then the guys who have been in that structure for a long time start to feel a little bit more comfortable as well. Uh, it opens up more shooting lanes for Josh Morrissey. You're seeing more movement with Mark Shifley. Kyle Connor gets a good look. So, yeah, those guys, I mean, and Rick Bonus would say that, you know, he hadn't had those guys together very often this year as a top unit. And now that top unit is starting to look the way that they had designed it, like you were saying. So when you stick with your belief in the structure, eventually there's a payoff. Now now the big thing for the Jets is to see if that can last a little bit longer than a two-game stretch. You talked about the payoff. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Having a little bit of faith in the system, in what's drawn up, definitely led to a payoff here in this game tonight. And of course, uh, if you are looking to pay off high interest credit cards or debt, we suggest you go talk to our friends at Cambrian Credit Union about their payoff loan. They can show you how taking out a loan to pay off your debt actually gets you debt-free faster, and you can save thousands of dollars. Go to cambrian.mb.ca to book an appointment online. Ken, I want to say quickly, once again, about how well-behaved the audience is here. I know that I, I, I know my take on Cole Perfetti is definitely rubbing certain people like Nick Lynham and uh, Brady and List the wrong way. I know that it's driving them crazy. They never said one thing to me. I honestly thought that maybe one of them would have come in here oh. with a roll of pennies in their hands, ready to greet me here. They did a good job of uh, of keeping this. So uh, I've extended to both of them. At some point on in this show, it's been a busy little stretch. We had Liss on. We're going to have Brady on as a guest, and we're going to have Nick on as a guest. I've already talked with them. They're going to be on the show. Uh, and I won't even... I won't even hold their third line take, which aligns with Kenny's against them. I'll have them on the show in spite oh, of that. Uh, but we should go <laughs> in that direction and talk about the third line, Ken. I, I'm starting to see a lot more people... Oh, you want to? Okay, well, here, we'll do that after this. Let's just talk quickly okay. about that the third good. line because I know a lot of people are are thinking the third line should be split up. Not as dominant, I keep hearing, as they were at the beginning of the season. Comment I agree with. Uh, not scoring as many goals as they did at the beginning of the season. Something I also agree with. I don't necessarily have an issue with that. I think in both cases, they were above 
uh, what we should have expected from them in goals, what we should have expected from them as far as dominance goes. Uh, I don't think they're playing their best hockey right now. I don't necessarily see it as a reason to worry about this, but I wonder if you are feeling the same pressure that other people are feeling and thinking maybe now we are definitely getting to the time as I will agree. The third line is not the dominant force it has been. Is that a reason to break them apart? Well, I mean, right now they're not they're not playing like the best third line in hockey, which is what they were for a good chunk of the first, you know, 30 plus games. Uh, they're still churning. They're getting some shifts in the offensive zone and creating zone time. But, you know, Adam Lowry's now gone. It's more double digits and without a goal. Um, you know, Mason Appleton had a hot stretch and has gone a little bit quiet as well. And you don't need a writer, Sean. I think just one goal since the extension. And, you know, yes, he is still getting around the blue paint today. Four four shots on net, five attempts, two two hits. So they're involved and active. But what made them so dangerous was not only were they checking and doing a good job against the opponent's best line, they were producing a lot of offense. So, you know, I don't know that you necessarily got to break everything up. But right now, too, what we were talking about, Ehlers, I would kind of go back to my original point. I think that Nino Niederreiter is a guy that is a consistent seven-time, 20-goal scorer, and there could be some benefit to giving him some time on the top six. Sorry, I was giving the evil eye to someone who was trashing me. Right here in the room, not even not even by the safety of their own computer. Uh, I, this, this is one of those things that... Um, when you have the dominance that you've seen from the third line, we know what they're capable of, right? It's the same reason right now the Jets lost five in a row uh, and they lost here tonight that people aren't being like, well, that's it. Well, some people are actually. You do get some people are saying it's all over for the Jets. But I think there's a lot of people out there who are saying to themselves, don't worry about it. Don't panic. That Yeah, the Jets aren't playing their best hockey, but I'm not giving up on them. I still think, and, and the reason people are saying that, and the reason I think they're right to say that is because the Winnipeg Jets have shown us what they're capable of. And they're starting to show us that they've got the ability to get back to what they're capable of. I see the third line the same as that. I, and I actually am quite perplexed by the idea that some people have that we know what the third line is capable of and they're not doing that right now. And so let's break it up because they're not doing it anymore. I like the idea of having patience and sticking with something that may not be on top of its game right now, but I know what they look like when they're on top of their game. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean you as a coach go out and say, well, maybe in the meantime, while they're not going, let's experiment, right? I'm not entirely against that. And I don't think it's the wrong play. I wouldn't do it. But if Rick Bonus right now said, look, the third line is not doing what it's been doing. And to the point of what we're talking about, I'd kind of like to see what Nino Niederreiter looks like right here. I'd kind of like to see what happens if I moved Morgan Barron into that spot. I kind of wonder what would happen if we tweaked and put in Cole Perfetti to see if that brings an element to it. I'm not against that at all. What I don't like is the idea that people are saying it worked. It's not working right now. It'll never work again. Break it up and let's get rid of it. I know you're not saying that. I totally understand that you're not saying that. But I guess my idea is... The third line carved out such impressive minutes for so long that if they're not doing it right now, why are we so, uh, why would we not have the patience for that to come back? That would be my biggest question about that. You may want to take that and feel that question, but that's the question that I'm left with. Why would we say time to break those guys up? Because to me, if you're saying that, you're saying it worked at one time. I don't think it will work anymore. That's what I think people are saying when they're talking about breaking up that line. I would say this, Sean. I'd say the, the, the difference now is that they have alternatives that are suitable, that can do the job. Vladislav Nemesnikov can easily do the job on the third line. He's done it before. Morgan Barron was on that third line the almost the entire year last year. Right, and Alex Iafalo is a guy who's played top six minutes and can definitely play on a checking line. So I just think because you have suitable alternatives, you would feel comfortable testing out something else while also giving you know Niederreiter a chance to play up in the top six. Now that also means people are shifting around. So uh, I'm with you. I think that the third line can get back to where they were earlier. But I think the question that people have is that, is that third line that dominated, are they the optimal third line on a team that has a four line hockey team right now? 
I think that's the entire entire question. I couldn't have framed that better myself. And I guess the thing that I would say is, do we think that if you move Nino Niederreiter and put Aya Fowler there or Morgan Barron, do we actually think that there's another combination on the Winnipeg Jets that would create a third line as dominant as the one that they have uh, that I, right now they're not doing it, but as they were at the beginning of the year, do we really think that Morgan Barron going into that spot is going to make them as highest scoring or more highest scoring at third line as we saw before? Is it going to make them more dominant? Is it going to make them more puck possession dominant? And I guess that's maybe this is the very like let's boil the argument down to this. And I'll say this: I don't think that there is another combination of players on this Jets team that could create as dominant a potential scoring threat and as dominant a puck possession, uh, a momentum-driving threat as Nino Niederreiter, Adam Lowry. If I'm subbing out anyone and thinking that they could get better, it's moving Appleton and putting someone else in there. But that's, my, that's the th- I guess, when it comes down to it and probably why I would defend that line and the idea of breaking them up as much as that is I don't think that anyone comes close to being as having the, the scoring threat and yet the dominance and the takeover a game momentum-wise ability that that line has. Right, but now we're going back to the original argument, which is why I suggested Nino Niederreiter months ago when that line was the best third line in hockey. We're, we're not still looking for We're still looking for the optimal second line. And one of the second, you know, which line, you know the third line's going to be good. Can the line survive without the second line finding its footing? That, that I think, is the bigger question here rather than who can fill Nino's offensive abilities. Because, I mean, we know Morgan Barron has nine goals. He's only four behind Niederreiter as it is, and he's played on the fourth line all year. I, I, I took a psychology course in university, which means I'm, I'm essentially I'm like a shrink, right? I took that one course. So I'm like a shrink. So I love diving into people's psychology. I took one too, but I took and, one too. Same uh, one, same one you did, I think. <laughs> I uh, I love the idea that the table that clapped the loudest at the idea of optimizing the second line is the table that despises the idea of moving Cole Perfetti off that line and seeing what they can do without Cole Perfetti, who's the consistent on a line that never gets going. And it just occurred to me. The likes of Brady and Nick Lynham and Alyssa are trying to protect Cole Perfetti by breaking up the third line. It has nothing to do with the third line and everything to do with trying to optimize Cole Perfetti. It just hit me. Am I right? I'm not sure. Maybe Ehlers can be the scorer on, on the line with Lowry. It's the same, it's the same guys. I'm telling you right now, it just hit me. Cole Perfetti, we talked about it. We talked about it last. If there's a consistent on why the, the the second line isn't going. You could look at it a couple ways. You could look at it that Nino Niederreiter isn't on that line, although he was at the beginning of the year with Cole Perfetti when, when they, they weren't scoring. scoring. Although I had, Then Ehlers they, wasn't going. They no, created a why. lot of opportunities in that situation. But if we're trying to get the second line going, why is the option to break up something that we knew was dominant at one point and the option is never taking off the one thing that's been consistently on that line as it hasn't been able to be a second line worthy of being a championship team? The Jets will need an optimal top nine and then sort out the rest with their fourth line. If they want to win four rounds, they need to have a dominant third line and a dominant second line and probably a dominant first line and a fourth line that plays 10 to 12 minutes. So right now they've never had more than two lines going at once, even though they have this, you know, big mass of depth that they haven't really had since 2018, but the pieces aren't all fitting perfectly together yet. And, you know, the Jets still have, what is it? 29 games to get that sorted out. I would say at this stage, I would look for a trade to solve that problem rather than breaking up the thing that worked better than anything else on this team this season uh, to try and fix another issue. This is this is hearkening me back to the Jets breaking up the things that work to fix the things that aren't working. Uh, I go back and anyways, uh, I want you to give Sweet Lou a shout out before we move on. Yeah, right on. For folks who have realty needs they'd like to have met, contact our main man, Lou Ferlin at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971 or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. 
Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this podcast. Let's get into the Johnston Group Got You Covered play mm-hmm. of the game. You have a special one, don't you? Yeah, I do. Uh, considering the Jets were so poor uh, in a lot of levels after taking a 3-1 lead, uh, our Johnston Group uh, Got You Covered uh, goes to Braden tonight to not only... Um, you know, was on hand to take care of the crew. Uh, threw, got behind in the kitchen, was throwing around pizza pies uh, that were just fantastic. Uh, Braden, doing just an awesome job, Braden. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, my man. That's a talented man back there. He's always yeah. running the show here. Hey, he helped us work our way out of our uh, audio issue during the last yeah. show, and then now he, he, he was is. like Thank elbow, you, elbow deep in dough. He was. <laughs> The thumbs up. Tremendous job, Braden. Thank you. Excellent job. Excellent job. Do you have one within the game that you wanted to go with? Well, I would say that Sean Monaghan had the Jets covered, but other than that, uh, not a lot of people had him covered. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Well, good job. I like that one. You nailed it. Hey, do you run a small business in Canada? Look to Canada's number one employee benefits plan, Chambers Plan, to give you a competitive edge. Chambers Plan is the simple, stable, smart choice for over 30,000 businesses countrywide. Visit chamberplan.ca to learn more. That means it's time to move on to the keg save of the game. What you got? Not a lot of saves in this game. That's a tough one. I don't. Uh, do you have any that stand out? I'm I don't gonna, have any that stand out. Are we going to have to? We're, we're going to have to go. We're going to fail at our jobs here right the, now. Go to the audience here. I'm not sure. Um, I I think I think that if we fail to, we literally <laughs> have to let people take over the show, and like we got a table full of people <laughs> ready to do it. We have we, some capable we have people to, ready to go. I believe our contract suggests we surrender the podcast <laughs> to the next two available broadcasters. Well, here. Jacob Markstrom uh, had a, had a number of uh, really good saves, and uh, you know. Including one on show. Oh, I got it. It's the Sean Monahan. He had the chance for the four pack. Yes. He had the chance for the yeah. four pack and Markstrom absolutely robbed him uh, with the glove. So I'm going to go with that one as the uh, save of the game. Well Jacob done. Markstrom. Well done. I didn't want to give up the microphone because we got a lot of people that were making their way towards the I know. They, they were inching in. They were inching in. Honestly, the save of the game goes for Ken. We almost lost our podcast there. We were like 15 seconds away from someone else just like pushing us out of these chairs and taking over. So I give Ken my keg save of the game. It doesn't matter what I think, though. It matters what you think. So share with us your keg save of the game. You are automatically entered to win a $50 gift certificate to any of the three fine keg locations here in the city of Winnipeg, each location finer than the last. And the winner from our last uh, podcast. Now, if anyone thought we like to take the easy route out of things, this is going to be the proof that we don't. The winner of this, I didn't, I didn't pick someone who I could like pronounce easily. Oh, this no? is like this just may be a bot. I don't know. But the winner of the keg save of the game, who left a comment uh, on our last show in the in the comments underneath the YouTube video, is at user dash ol six ni nine yk one i. Now. It, it, it didn't look like a bot comment to me. Maybe someone was just assigned an account and they jumped in. Either way, uh, I'm not even going to repeat that. If you, We're going to find that out series, if it's a real account. If, if that series it. of codes uh, means <laughs> anything to you. you, you know what to do. You direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your full name, which I sure hope is a lot cooler than your <laughs> username. Uh, give me that and give me your email and I will automatically, uh, or sorry, we'll have the people at the keg send you a $50 gift certificate usable at any of the keg locations here in the city of Winnipeg. All three locations, each location finer than the last. Moving on to the TCB lamplighter of the game, Ken. There's a lot of lamplighter that went down. Yeah, we better come with a good nine, lamplighter nine pack. here tonight. Yeah, I'm going there. with uh, Monaghan's hat-trick goal. I mean, for him, unbelievable. Just the third time he played the team that drafted him, uh, second time in the building, and uh, at the time, at the time, there were hats uh, raining down, and they may not have only been Jets fans' hats, uh, for that matter. Sean's a guy who was super popular uh, during his time there, and yeah, for me, that just uh, that was the that was the moment for him, and and I'm not dedicating it to Robert Sutton. Robert, I know you were coming from a good place, but this is why I said to be patient. The offense was coming, and now it's coming with four goals here in the last. Uh, well, hold on, you got to let people in on why you're addressing Robert Sutton right oh, now. Oh, sorry. Two games ago, before the game against the Canucks, Robert Sutton was all over me saying Monahan can't just play well; he has to produce. And I think now he has as many goals as Elias Lindholm has with the Vancouver Canucks, which is what Robert was wanting in the first place. So everyone's oh. getting what they want. What you saw there, ladies and gentlemen, is Ken knows how to hold the grudge, right? Two days ago, he's been stewing on this all night. Not he at all. No, no, here I... tonight. Listen, let me speak for you. 
I'm good at that. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> Let me speak for you. Um, are you sure you're good at it, though? Are you sure? I, you're good I now at it? see. I now see why people don't like getting on the wrong side of Ken because, boy, that just doesn't wash away. Robert Sutton, I want to apologize for you being targeted the way that you've been. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. You deserve it, Robert Sutton. No, it's 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 a good take. There is no. Nothing... He was right at the time. He needed to produce more, and now he agreed. Has. That's why we always talk about keeping the receipts. I mean, I'll say this about Sean Monahan. There was nothing in the time that he played here. And yes, when Lindholm goes out and gets the two goals that he gets right off the bat in Vancouver. For sure. Right off the bat. Hey, you know what it reminds me of? And do you remember when Austin Matthews plays his first game and he goes out and he scores four goals? And right off the bat, people are saying, well, you know, Patrick Laine can't do that. And then just a couple of games later, Patrick Laine goes out and scores the hat trick against the Toronto Maple Leafs and kind of shows what he's capable of. Uh Sean Monaghan, there's nothing about what he's done in his time with the Winnipeg Jets that would suggest to you it was a bad trade. Like, he's not a guy who hasn't put two hands on the rope and pulled since he got here. Did he score a whole bunch of goals? Did he instantaneously fix the second the second line? No, he didn't do those things. But Sean Monaghan is clearly a good hockey player, uh, great with the faceoffs, great defensively. He's one of those guys that if he's not scoring, he's affecting you positively as a hockey team. But you're right, and Robert Sutton was right. You, at some point, you need you to start more. contributing more. He showed up. He contributes more, uh, does it here tonight. Uh, and I think you absolutely nailed it with the TCB lamplighter of the game. Um, it doesn't matter if you got it right, though, Ken, even though I think you did. What matters is what everybody else out there thinks, uh, what their lamplighter of the game is. Send that to us. You know what to do. Hashtag it, TCB lamplighter. Text it to us. All the different kind of things. Just let us know what your lamplighter of the game is, and you are automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious APAC of lamplighter amber ale, the nectar of the gods. If you cannot wait for Ken and Ren to Ken, Kenny and Renty, I think is what we've rebranded to. Uh, if you <laughs> cannot Jeff Cabillis has trademarked that already. Jeff Cabillis has already <laughs> yeah, trademarked but He just took that show. <laughs> that show is gone now, too. Um, you know what to do. Send us that. Uh, if you can't wait for Kenny and Randy to give to you yours, you can head on down right here where we all are. This absolutely fabulous space. Great pizza. Great beer. Great hospitality. Uh, the people who work here, like you pointed out, Braden, absolutely rocked it here tonight. Come on down to Trans Canada Brewing Company. And how about the uh, you effort can from Tyler? How about the effort from Tyler here? Tyler. Tyler do anything here? Oh, I totally get Tyler is our guy. Tyler is our biggest supporter here at TCB. He helps get everything set up. He's the guy who makes the trains run on time. And, and he's the guy who does quality control over all the fabulous beer that you had here today. And somehow tried to pull it off during, or did pull it off during dry January. I still don't get it. I'm trying to figure out the chemistry behind it. Tyler has always been massive, massive supporter of ours. We owe him so much. Such a great guy. Great guy. Anyways, come on down here. Uh, share your time with us. We've got one more Kenny and Ready live event. Uh, Do you have a good time here tonight, folks? If you want to have that good time, you can come on down here. April 5th. 6th. April 6th is our next Kenny and Ready live event. Here will be the last the last time you can see Kenny and Rennie live and enjoy all the great pizza. Keep Sean and all company. Great, I'll be in Minneapolis. They need to keep you company. I won't be here. Okay, there you go. Kenny bailing out again. Once again, oh, yeah. once again, those stairs down from the ivory tower. It's a long walk, folks. <laughs> Just be ever? happy that he made the walk here tonight. Anyways, April 6th, <laughs> that's our next event. That's uh, going to be a good one. Anyways, I get to the idea that Matt... Oh, what? oh look at that. I, I, see, I'll allow it. I will allow it. I will allow it. He didn't even see it. He didn't even see it. That's the biggest cheers of the night there. Anyways, winner of the lamplighter from our last time, that would be Matt Hyman. Matt Hyman, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name. Send me your email. I will send you a voucher for a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our great friends here at Transcander Brewing Company. Congratulations to you. Ken, uh, why don't you go with... Let's do three takeaways, or is that too much? You want to do one takeaway from the game tonight or the evening or whatever you want. This is this is your free space to get jiggy with it if you want. Get creative. Oh, boy. I'm not sure about that. But one thing we need to talk about before the show is over, uh, 
It was a tough night for uh, the defense pairs, Rick uh, Bonus shifting things around. Uh, you know, Neil Pionk has had an excellent bounce back season, but uh, tonight was one where the video was not going to be super kind. Uh, but the beauty about that for Neil is that, you know, he's, he's very accountable. Uh, I think he'll be ready to go tomorrow, but a uh, tough night for uh, the Jets defense core as a whole. Uh, and again, they didn't get any help from the forwards, but uh, the Jets defense core is going to need to be better. Uh, I know there are a lot of folks in the room. Uh, we've been talking about Chris Tanev potentially being someone on the radar for teams like the Jets and outside of his penalty, which was more bad luck for him. and just sort of locked skates with Dylan DeMello. Uh, thought Chris Tanev had another solid game overall. But uh, overall, I know some folks also too, you know, I, I, it's funny for me to, people forgot how quickly, how great Connor Hellebuck was on Saturday night. And, you know, today was the first, First time Connor Hellebuck gave up more than three goals since November 2nd. So uh, it'll be Lauren Brassois, uh on Tuesday night against the Minnesota Wild, who put up 10 against the Vancouver Canucks uh, today in uh, St. Paul in the afternoon. So uh, should be an interesting game. The, uh, you know, Pat Maroon is not in the lineup. I think Marcus Foligno is still on IR. So, uh, but Ryan Hartman will still be playing. So I'd expect we'll see a few more uh, fireworks uh, when it comes to Tuesday night, I'm looking forward to the game. It's usually fun when those two teams get together, but yeah, not a lot of uh, good things for the Jets today, but I would imagine that the, they've done a good job of responding this year and I would expect them to respond on Tuesday. Uh, just so uh, we know what the, the folks here are suffering through. There's no music. Uh, we've got everything going on. Everyone can hear everything, everything in the podcast, uh, but uh, they can't hear the music here. So they didn't hear Ken's, Absolutely phenomenal opening music, the best music in the business. And they're also not going to hear this, but it's been called for. Let's get this done. Let's get it. it in before it's all said and done. They will see it. Let's make it a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Randy show. I've, I've, Ken, I've finally grown my hair to the point that it, it matches my avatar. Um, I know you're not the biggest fan of your avatar. I think they nailed it. I think they nailed it, 100%. 100%. Um, takeaways, just quick takeaways. Uh, for me, I, I've got one big takeaway. And honestly, you and I have had this conversation behind the scenes so much. I've puzzled this all year. The way that Rick Bonus has responded to the Winnipeg Jets not being at the top of their game and how he's spared the rod for this team all year. He really hasn't gone to them, and I never understood it. I didn't understand why last year he would be all over them for certain things. If you remember that game they had against the San Jose Sharks where they lost to them, and San Jose was last place in the NHL, and he absolutely went at them. Uh, it makes sense to me. At this stage, Rick Bonus knows the same thing that we've been talking about on this show. Their five-on-five five play, the Rick Bonus system, is the true superhero. It's the true superpower of this team. And as long as they play that, it gives them an opportunity to win. So have the Jets, since the middle of January, been giving their best effort? I don't think it, they've been even close. And to me, I saw that as a problem, but it was never a problem worthy of Rick Bonus coming out. What it took was the sin of falling out of their structure for him to awaken and absolutely get after his team. It, it To me, it's extremely revealing. It's extremely revealing to what Rick values, what he wants from this team, what he expects from this team. And I think it's a good thing. I'm interested to see how they respond now tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild because you know what Rick Bonus is trying to accomplish with the comments he had after this game today is to have the Winnipeg Jets come out tomorrow and be absolutely on point on structure and get back to that. Um, so I think to me, it's one of the, Hey, when you do this job and your, your job is to try and ask questions and get answers to questions. This to me has been a big question all year that we could never get the answer to. I got the answer to it tonight. Last year, when Rick Bonus was willing to absolutely torch the Jets in the media the way that he did, he did it because that team fell out of their structure and fell apart down the stretch. And that's why he was always going after them. He didn't do it this year because he knows, even though they may lack effort, 
And I think that they did in a number of games. Going back to when they lost that first game to Boston, the Jets' effort level wasn't there, but their structure remained there. I think you can – you a, a team can't – I was saying it to someone earlier, you can't keep the gas pedal to the floor for 82 straight games. So if you're a coach, you know that sometimes the effort level is not going to be there, but what is inexcusable to Rick Bonus is falling out of the structure. This, to me, is Rick Bonus saying for the first time in like half a year he thinks the Winnipeg Jets did that. So we will see next game tomorrow night if they're able to hop right back into that structure. Uh, I want to give a thank you to the folks here at TCB who put on another awesome phenomenal job. event. This is such a great space for this. I want to give a huge special thanks to everyone who showed up here tonight. These events are so much fun, and we love it that everyone comes here pumped up just ripping it up when the Jets score goals, depressed when they don't, but right back to having a good time as soon as that game was over. Great stuff. Can you always do a jo great job? I uh, wanted to say before we go, as I always do, if you appreciate the conversations happening in this space, please, please appreciate the contributions by our sponsors who fight to keep the conversation going in this space. For us, that's Vittorio Rossi, Cambrian Credit Union, Sweet Lou Ferlin, Pristine Roofing, the Kenny and Rennie OGs in the Johnson Group, and of course the Keg and TransCanada Brewing Company, who, as I said, never failed to put on a great event here. Thank you so much to all of them. Thank you to all of you at home. We can't wait to do this all over again tomorrow night to see if the Jets can get back to their structure and get back into Rick Bonus's good books. We'll talk about it all right here in this space tomorrow after the game. Thank you, and have a great day, everybody.